Tango Tango Papa 2123, October 30th, 2022. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion, the product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you, coming to you this evening from home. I've been home for the past uh, several days. I go back to work on uh, Tuesday. So I've got one more day at home, uh, that being tomorrow, the 30, October the 31st. Then I go back to work on uh, November the 1st. So, uh, the last time I was home, a guy came and installed a uh, heat pump, and uh, that uh, seemed to go pretty well, you know, and it seemed to be working. But, uh, you know, I went back to work, and then, of course, whenever I leave, I set the thing on 50 uh, in the winter, if it's heating season, I leave it set on 50, 50 usually, and, uh, you know, that's going to, you know, not come on at all, essentially, if this, especially this time of year. Might come on a little bit if we have some exceptionally cool nights, but uh, generally it won't. But whenever I made it home, well, actually a little bit before I made it home, I discovered that the heat pump wasn't uh, the outside unit. Uh, was not coming on and there could be a variety of reasons why that would be uh you know i initially i thought well it could be the thermostat because i've got uh you know i've had one of the original nest thermostats since 2011 you know i got one of the very first units that was available i signed up for it and then they when they sent it out and so that I had that thing for 11 years, and it appeared to be working. The remote control port, part of it was working as far as the app on the phone. But uh, so that was one possibility because those things will last generally. They say they'll last about 10 years uh, as far as the Nest thermostats go. And then, you know, there could it could have tripped a breaker, or uh, were you know it could have leaked out all of the uh, freon, that would prevent it from coming on. Uh, so there was a variety of things that could be wrong. Uh, the and the guy that installed it uh, turned out to not be very help be very helpful. Uh, as I texted him initially, and he said, well, whenever you get home, figure out if the outside unit's coming on or not. And I, you know, I made it home and sent him a text message saying, hey, the outside unit's not coming on. And, uh, well, he uh, never texted back. And so I contacted, uh, I was able to contact a local company that seems to have, you know, seems to be actually very local to me. And so they, they the guy came out uh, 
and he did some he did a he did a, a bit a fair bit of troubleshooting and then finally we determined that hey it was the thermostat that you know the old nest thermostat just wasn't sending out uh, enough voltage the proper amount of voltage it's supposed to send out about 24 volts to the outside unit to uh, you know tell it to initiate either heating or cool and it just wasn't doing it. It was sending out about 15 volts, which that's not going to work. It has to be 24 volts. So I got a new Nest thermostat, and uh, I ended up wiring it up myself. I've got some, let's see if I've got some pictures here. So now initially the thermostat, you can, if you're watching the video, or by the way, we're making a YouTube video, so if you're... Uh, Watching this video, kudos to you, because uh, it's going to be pretty boring. But uh, this initially was in a hallway in a completely different part of the house. And so they moved it uh, actually to a, like a kitchen wall that's very close to the uh, air handling unit. You know, otherwise you'd think it was, a you know, the furnace or whatever. But uh, I'll show you the picture. That's the thermostat. That is the air handler. It's not. It's in a little narrow closet. Of course, I'm in a double-wide mobile home, so that's in a, kind of a narrow closet. And so the the original, well, the original furnace was a gas propane. You know, it was a gas-fired furnace, and it was taller. Uh, and so the up there at the top of the image, you see a sort of a pipe coming down. That was actually the fresh air intake, and cool air was kind of coming, being sucked through there. So I taped a plastic bag over it, like a Walmart-type plastic bag. I taped that over it to kind of stop the cold air from coming in. Because, yeah, you want some fresh air, but probably not that much. Because uh, you really you want a good majority a good part of it to recirculate so you can heat the air up more efficiently so i kind of taped the thing over the end of that but uh so it's still kind of hanging down but that door there you see the inside of the door there that door closes and kind of hides the unit but this this new unit is uh the same width and depth but it's only probably about Two, maybe two-thirds or so as tall, a half to two-thirds as tall as the original furnace. Well, and then, of course, the original furnace that came in the house 27 years ago when I got it in 1995, that one lasted so long, and then it gave out, and then, it, you know, then I had it replaced, and then uh, this one replaces the second one. And the second one, the problem with it was it wasn't... It, in really cold weather, it wouldn't really heat the house. Uh, couldn't maintain the temperature that I set. So for whatever reason. So same way with the, the air conditioner. The outside unit just could not keep the house uh, to the temperature that I set. So I determined that I would go ahead and just replace that with a heat pump system. So this air handler unit actually has some uh, electric power strips in it that work as uh, sort of uh, backup heat or so-called emergency backup heat. 
and those power strips can come on uh, in very cold weather to help supplement the uh, heat pump because heat pumps lose efficiency uh, after about 50 degrees or so. They start, the efficiency starts dropping off, and then they, they begin to, you know, about 50 degrees or above, they'll produce maximum heat BTUs, but below that, as the, tem- as the degrees go down, the, as the temperature drops, uh, they produce less and less and less heat BTUs. But you want the thing to produce as much as it can, you know, maybe if it, even if it has to struggle to do it, because it's only using about one-third of the amount of electricity that a... Uh, that a uh, you know, that the electric strips use. Those electric strips can really suck the juice. They really they really pull electricity. So you want to use those as sparingly as possible, but it is necessary to have those. But one of the reasons, well, there's several reasons that I, you know, the, that I wanted to switch. And, you know, the one of the things, of course, was that the existing equipment just wasn't quite up to snuff as far as... Uh, heating and air conditioning during the summer and winter. And the other thing was uh, I really didn't know what was going to happen with the propane, especially this winter, because the the price of propane uh, historically has been quite volatile. It, uh, there's, there have been periods where it's just really shot up. And I, I expect that uh, with this inflation that uh, that could happen again, especially with the inflation and then potential shortages, especially if it ends up kind of being cold weather, cold winter. Uh, those prices can really shoot up. And uh, so now the other part of that now, yeah, your electricity can go up as well, but the thing with the electricity is that uh, I have the solar and I've got in excess I've got like 11,000 something kilowatt hour credit with my electric company they give me you know a one for one exchange on kilowatt hours in my particular they won't pay me for the kilowatt hours that I'm putting in back into their system but they bank they let me bank them and it appears right on my bill uh, how many kilowatt hour credit I have, and so uh, I can begin to dig into those. And I expect that I will. It's going to be interesting to see how this uh, works. But in any case, I had to uh, I had to uh, buy a new Nest thermostat. You know, and this is of course this is a so-called third generation and that's really what I needed for you know with the system that I have because they have a cheaper one that's just uh, that doesn't work probably doesn't work with heat pumps the third generation one does the first one first generation one did too but it was just you know like I say it uh, initially it was working and then it wasn't it wouldn't even you know it wouldn't even turn on the air conditioner portion uh when the guy was doing the troubleshooting so i replaced that and actually the wiring wiring those up is fairly easy you just have to kind of 
be careful about the wire colors and label probably label everything and uh, know which wire goes where and it's really a kind of a simple system I've got a total of uh, with my system I've got a total of six wires I believe five or six wires some systems only have two wires it just it really depends some you know probably more common would be three wires but with the heat pump I, I think I've ended up with like I believe either five or six wires I'd actually have to look at it but uh, in any case it's all working and so you can see the the image there right right there I've got it set to uh, 73 degrees while I'm home and so I just leave it on that and so it uh, it's in the, the temperature's been in the 50s uh, the past several days especially at night it get it may get down to like in the high 40s or whatever and so that's it's just comes on whenever it needs to and uh, it just cycles on and off just as if it were an air conditioner except it's in reverse <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, so uh, that seems to be working. That seems to be working rather well. So I'm uh, pretty happy with that. And then you, let's see if we can find the picture of the... Oh, where's the picture of the outdoor unit? Oh, right there. So that's the outdoor unit. Uh, it's actually bigger physically than uh, the old unit but this one even though it's it's a four so-called four-ton unit but it's one of the things you know with the newer units to help them be more efficient uh, they've made the coil surface bigger you know the, and the coil that that part would be the part with the fins you know, it's a evaporative coil, you know, there's different, I don't, you know, I'm not an HVAC guy, so I know there's different terms that they use. The The part that goes inside the air handler, the, the A-frame, it's usually an A-frame type thing that goes inside the air handler in the house, uh, unless you have a, you know, a package, so-called package unit that's all outside. That's called the coil, and then you've got the I think the thing on the outside is called the evaporator, whatever. And I'm probably screwing this all up, but uh, in any case, the with the heat pump, it just it's simply there's a reversing valve, and like you know when the temperatures right like right now the temperatures uh, somewhere in the, at this point probably around 57, 58 degrees. I have the interior temperature set at 73, so periodically that comes on, and uh, if you go outside while it's running in the heat pump mode, and you feel the air that's blowing out of the top, you know, of course, it, it, uh, that air is cold, so it's like it's air conditioning the air outside, but the heat the heat that's being extracted from the outside air is being pumped into the house, thus it's a heat pump. And so heat pumps can be, uh, you know, like 300% more efficient than uh, heating with a conventional heat source, let's say electricity or gas uh, or oil or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, those are, I think those are the three primaries that people use. 
a heat pump is much more efficient because it's it's just pumping the heat out of the air. It's extracting heat from the uh, the ambient air and uh, pumping it into the house. And uh, but it's so far it's working great. So we'll have to see what happens with the uh, this winter. We'll have to see what happens this winter, and then we'll find out, uh, you know, basically what happens, uh, you know, with the with the electric bill. Is that going to uh, create, you know, is it going to be more expensive? You know, since I have the solar, uh, maybe, you know, I think I'm going to probably be in better shape. And so, especially since I have the... Uh, you know, it's mitigated because I have the uh, kilowatt hour credit with the electric company. And then, of course, I can uh, sort of decide how to, you know, if I need to, you know, need to make adjustments with that, then I can. But... Uh, for the, you know, since I've had the solar installed, my electric bill is like... Roughly thirty dollars a month, uh, and that includes the, the connection fee, line maintenance fees, which is absolutely necessary because they, you know, it's expensive for them to maintain the lines. They have that's they have employees that that's their job is to maintain the all of the the electric lines, and uh, so you have the connection fee, and then there's uh, I've got a like a kind of an expensive yard light out on my electric pole is like seven bucks a month but and it comes on at night but they're they're responsible for you know changing it if it needs to be because if you know and i've had to have them do that before where the light quit working so they have to bring out a bucket truck and uh get up there and change the bulb so that's really kind of worth it uh to have that to you know, to pay that $7 a month for that light out on the electric pole, because otherwise without it, it would be, you know, it could be fairly dark. So really, you know, I like having that light. So, but my bill, electric bill, has been $30 a month now for several years. And so we'll see what happens uh if I'm able to continue that uh, over a longer period of time, but it's going to be interesting to see how my, how many kilowatt hours uh, this system now will this heat pump system will now use versus you know you know versus uh, what I was having to pay whenever I'd have to have the gas bottle filled up, which I have to admit I haven't really kept track of that. I know that it was I'd only have to maybe do it a couple times a year, maybe three times a year. And sometimes it would be a little, you know, the bill could be, you know, kind of ridiculous, but uh depending on how low the the propane was, uh it could be a little bit uh painful paying the bill, but uh you know, so but Especially if you, you know, I begin to think, hey, it could really end up going up. It could really, really increase. I know the price, the prices of natural gas are kind of going through the roof right now. So, uh, 
as of right now, I've got, you know, that tank out there, and it's uh, pretty well full, the propane tank. But the only thing that I'm using propane for at this point is uh, the uh, cook stove. That's that's all I'm using, you know, so, and I don't use it very often. <laughs> so the propane in that tank now is liable to last uh, quite some time. So uh, but we'll see what happens. It's Like I say, it's going to be uh, interesting. But at the moment, uh, I've eliminated the possibility of a propane bill and, uh, you know, but I do have the kilowatt hour uh, credit uh, to kind of dig into, and I do expect that I'm going to, especially during this winter, I expect that it's going to dig into it somewhat. But I'll continue to operate the system just as I have. Uh, most, the majority of the time, it's set on in the winter month, during the winter month, heating season, it's set on 50 degrees. And in the summer, it's set on about 90 degrees. Uh, you know, because I don't want it getting hotter than 90 degrees in here. And so the air, you know, the air conditioner will co will come on because it could uh, theoretically, or, you know, it probably could end up getting well above 100 degrees if, you know, you had day after day of sun barreling down with no air conditioning on at all. With a, with a closed-up house, it could get over 100 degrees, and, you know, I don't want that. That, that could be quite detrimental to uh, the house itself, you know, not to mention the, you know, your electronics and <clears throat> those type of things. So it's best to run it a little bit, and so we'll see what happens. Yeah, but I, I should start once a month or two goes by. I should begin to get a good idea, at least during the winter, of uh, what it's going to take, how much electricity is it going to take. So, anyway, what I wanted to talk about was, uh, and I've been thinking about this for a few days, uh, toxic people. You know, and, and people, I think to a certain extent, you know, we can all, we can all, and we all probably are from time to time toxic for other people. This isn't really uh, like a cut and dried thing. I think that we can, we've all been uh, potentially toxic to each other. And that, that ends up that, that revolves around the fact that human beings have egos. Now, but it's complicated by the fact that we, as human beings, you don't really think that, you, you, that you're doing it, but we actually outsource our sanity to, uh, to the group, to other people to the group of people that we kind of end up hanging around with. Birds of a feather flock together. <clears throat> so we do end up outsourcing our uh, sanity in a very real way to other people. Now, 
if things are, if those people aren't toxic, if they're, you know, kind of have a more normal relationship, whatever that is, then, you know, they're going to, you know, kind of help correct you from kind of going off the deep end and you're going to kind of help correct them from going off the deep end. And normally this process happens and we're not even really aware of it. We're not, you know, we may think of it, well, this is just normal human interaction. But uh, if you stop and think about it, we really do rely on other people, you know, the group of people around us to kind of maintain our sanity. But, you know, that we also, without kind of realize, we also, without even realizing it, <clears throat> we can use that, we can and do use that, uh, the fact that we're helping to maintain their sanity, we use that uh, to kind of, you know, stick the knife in them and, you know, kind of screw those other people up because they're outsourcing their sanity to us. So we, you know, we maybe begin to play games with them, you know, and uh, try to, you know, mess with their uh, psyche to a certain extent. You know, so then the question is, how do you know if you're doing that? You know, and of course you can lie to yourself. Are you doing it yourself? And I'm sure, I think we've all done it. We've all been... Uh, if you're, if we're honest, <clears throat> have to admit it. Uh, you know, if we're really honest, we've all probably uh, been deliberately kind of mean to other people. Sometimes you you can kind of be mean or insulting and not really mean it. That wasn't your maybe that wasn't your intention, but often it kind of is your intention, and then you say, "Oh, I was just kidding," or you know the. People, you know, especially when people get into really get into the bullying thing, which this is really what I'm talking about. Uh, they'll just, oh, I was just kidding, I was just teasing, just teasing. No, you weren't. You were. Re you really meant it. You were being mean. Generally, if you're if you're uh, doing that, you're, you know, there's a, there's a difference between you know, kind of like. Uh, you know, just sort of the joking around type thing versus uh, when it, you know, there's a line that gets crossed somewhere where it turns mean. And it's kind of a fine line and uh, it does require... you, it requires me to the individual, it requires us to be observant as to you know what what are we really you know we have to be aware what are we really doing are we just being you know kind of jovial and what have you or are we been are we is it kind of slipping off into something that's actually mean. And it's actually designed to sort of screw with the other person's uh, sanity. 
You know, of course, it's easy to see other people being toxic. And like I say, I think we all do it. Or all at least have done it and probably do it. Because it's something you should watch for, absolutely. Uh, in your own behavior. <clears throat> but how do you know when you're doing it? How, and how do you, it's easy, but like I say, it's easy to see the other person doing it. It's easy to see the other person's being toxic and they're sort of, uh, you know, and they can kind of hide behind, well, I was just uh, wanting to help you or I was just wanting to, to uh, you know, I'm only being critical because, you know, you know, maybe you said you wanted the, tr you know, you wanted the truth or whatever. Uh, you know, they can always do that. Uh, you know, companies, it's kind of like this. You think of it this way, you know, you have the, you know, like Apple says, well, we're being eco-friendly and blah, 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 blah. But then they, you know, in order to save money, they, uh, and Samsung's doing it too, they ship the new phones without the charger. And then the excuse is, well, you've already got a bunch of USB chargers. Uh, you don't need, you know, you don't need another one. And so therefore, we're not going to include that. We're just going to give you the phone and that's going to be it. And uh, we're being eco-friendly. But really, they're saving money and they're charging you a fortune in the process, you know, and so, you know, kind of take it or leave it. But uh, they can kind of hide behind that and say, hey, I'm being eco-friendly when they're really just kind of watching out for their own bottom line. And then they can kind of kind of see it in a different light, you know, sort of painted in light that's more favorable to them than it otherwise would be. So we do the same thing when we're uh, interacting with each other. We can easily do the same thing and then just sort of, oh, well, I was just trying to help you. Were you really or were you just being mean? You know, you have the, especially if you're intimate with a friend or relative, you know a lot of the details about their existence, uh, then it becomes easy to begin to manipulate them. You know, manipulate what you say, uh, you know, and your interactions with them to kind of maybe stick the knife in and twist it a little bit. And vice versa. But, you know... And it's going to happen with people. It's really going to happen with people. And, you know, you never know when it's going to, it might pop up, it might rear its ugly head. And maybe they do, maybe they say something, like I say, maybe they say something or maybe you say something to them that, uh, you know, it's just kind of perfectly innocent. You didn't really mean to be mean, but, uh, you know, you think about it in retrospect and, yeah, it probably was, you know, you, it was a, you know, kind of a fault on your part, perhaps, or a fault on their part. So the key to dealing with it, of course, is to learn not to resent, you know, don't resent people. 
don't resent people, places, and things. And if you can really learn not to resent them, then, you know, they can still say mean things or whatever, and it doesn't, uh, you can actually consider is this reasonable or not, and uh, as long as the resentment is not present on your part, uh, you know, it they can say it in a mean way, and if there's some truth to it, you can still still take it to heart. But if not, if it was just a mean comment or whatever, then uh, you can just let it go and, you know, forget about it. And vice versa on their part, you know. If they aren't kind of resenting everything, you know, all, you know, kind of people, places, and things. and But, you know, and people tend to do that. People tend to... to to resent, uh, you know, kind of everything here and there, and uh, you know. But if you, you know, you really want to be able to have a pleasant existence, you really need to get rid of your own resentment. You know, because it it makes a, a tremendous amount of difference if you can just get rid of your own resentment. And as I've said many times, resentment uh, comes packaged with its own denial mechanism. So it's entirely possible to have re carry resentment around with you your entire life, and kind of you think, "Oh, I'm not. I don't hate my parents. I don't hate this. I don't hate that." It's easy to to kind of not see it, and sort of twist it in your own mind that uh, you you know that. You know, basically that white is black and black is white, that green is pink. You're sort of twisting it around so that you don't have to see it, but then occasionally you sort of enjoy dipping into it. And the appeal of resentment, of course, is that it sort of gives you this little momentary illusion that you're God in your own mind. Of course, the best way that I've come up with of describing it is a little, like a little thunderbolt, as if you were in your own mind when you know you're resenting a person, place, or thing, as if you could strike them dead, strike whatever it was dead or out of existence with your own thought. You know, kind of like a lightning bolt, like if you, as if you were God, uh, just you know, kind of uh, zapping them in your mind. So, and that that's a may be may seem appealing, but it's a really bad thing to do. It's a terrible thing to do. You don't want to carry that around with you. Cuz it's a it's a very heavy burden. It seemed like such a little thing, but it's actually a huge burden. So, but it's just one thing to keep in mind, you know, uh, we do outsource our sanity to other people. As much as you think, oh, I'm logical and I've, <coughs> excuse me, I'm in charge of my own uh, mind and my own, log you know, I've got my logic and I think, you know, think logically, what have you. Uh, 
at the end of the day, you're outsourcing your sanity. You know, because if you're, it's been shown over and over again that if you lock someone up uh, completely by themselves uh, after a number, you know, some period of days passes, they will go insane. So you have to have other, you have to have interaction with other people in order to, you know, because we do outsource our sanity. We can't, uh, can't bear our sanity, you know, that's just not something that we can do all on our own. As much as we'd like to think that we, we could or that we do. But then, you know, understanding that, then keep in mind that uh, we can and do, you know, there's this, there is this big temptation just to, you know, kind of stick the knife in the mind of the other person and give it a good twist and a shove. And you don't want to do that. What goes around comes around. It's much better to, to live a, a, a drama-free existence and to have a, a really, truly drama-free existence, get rid of resentment. It's, it's amazing. The result of that is just, it's absolutely amazing if you can just, if you can really eliminate uh, all resentment from, you know, from your psyche, uh, it then you have a completely drama-free existence. So, you know, so. Anyhow, I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, bring this to a close. It's going to be kind of a shorter shorter thing here to this evening, but, uh, you know, I, I did want to go ahead and do this while I was, I had the opportunity. Like I say, I have... Monday, I have one more day here at home and then back to work on Tuesday. So, in any case, hope everyone uh, is having a great weekend. This is the weekend. And I will catch you later. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com.